What is going on? Good morning. It is Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650, but no Halford, no Bruff in this week. They were back together for one week, really put in an impressive shift, and then they decided, you know what? <laughs> Let's get back. Let's get back and enjoy some late vacation uh, before the uh, the calendar flips over to September. So no Mike, no Jason. It is myself, Jamie Dodd, and my guy Israel Fair here filling in all week with you on Sportsnet 650. The official automotive sponsor of Halford & Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. And hour one of the show is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. What's going on, Izzy? It's good to be here, man. Yeah, full week ahead. Five days of shows. Uh, you know, a lot of baseball stuff going on. A lot but, of uh, baseball stuff. We've got some Lions to talk about. Some Whitecaps to talk about. We'll, we'll we'll do the guys proud this week. Well, we'll try. I you know I I did it. I did the show with Bruff uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I saw. And I I got congrats uh, on I think surviving I got, the week. Thank you. You know what? It was actually very pleasant. It was it was a lot easier than I had been led to believe. I, I got <laughs> fairly positive reviews for the most part in the six fifty six fifty Dunbar Lumber okay. text line. Uh, that 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 one I was going to say yeah. bridge too far. Yeah, but high, uh, high standards on the guy. So so maybe I've earned myself a little bit of goodwill here with the listeners. I don't know. I'll I'll try to I'll try not to uh, throw that all away in one fell swoop here. Uh 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We already have a text in from Sean and Delta who's very upset with the Toronto Blue Jays and uh, I I feel you Sean. 5:58 a.m. Pacific yeah. time is an appropriate Waking time to up, be fired up with the I Toronto am Blue Jays. I'm angry about the Blue Jays and I get it. We will get into that just to quickly run through uh what's going on later on in the show. Speaking of the Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Jays across the Sportsnet Radio Network will join us at 6:30 at 7. Shayna Goldman Hockey writer for The Athletic, also for Sportsnet, will join us to chat a little bit about the Women's World Championships that are underway, uh, and also maybe some NHL stuff in there as well. 8 o'clock, Matt Baker of the BC Lions, and 8.30, Curtis Crabtree, who covers the Seattle Seahawks for Fox down in Seattle. But, yeah, it's August. It's actually a pretty busy sports weekend, so let's get into it. What happened? Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? As mentioned, pretty busy weekend. We'll start a little, a little while ago now on Friday... The BC Lions, they lose 23-16 to the Rough Riders. And, you know, the score isn't so much the story. I don't think the loss is that unexpected considering the situation they are in. Really, the story was, okay, how are they going to do without Nathan Rourke? Obviously, they don't have Nathan Rourke, who was the front runner to, you know, be most outstanding player this year in the CFL. He's probably out for the rest of the season. The second string guy, Michael O'Connor, also Canadian, he leaves the game during uh with an injury during the game so look they lose by a touchdown that's kind of whatever more than anything it's just kind of a the whole situation is a kick in the teeth for the lions really right and it would have been a great story if they were able to pull out that win yeah but i don't think anyone's sitting here looking at it and saying oh man how did they lose that game it's like well they're in an incredibly difficult situation they lost their star quarterback and it's tough from an on the field perspective but it's really really tough from an off-the-field perspective, because it felt like such a a storybook season developing for the BC Lions with Nathan Rourke, with the record they were putting up, and if he had been able to stay healthy 
and on the field and productive, you would have just had a chance to keep building that momentum, keep you know establishing your relevancy, establishing your in- the level of interest with fans in the city. And it's going to be really difficult to do that just realistically without Nathan Rourke. It's it's a tough, tough situation for the Lions. I feel bad for the team, for the whole organization, for, for Lions fans. You finally had some positive momentum, and now it looks like who knows exactly what's going to be happening here. I was intrigued to see how the team would respond, the way that they would play, and if they would be anything close to what they were with Nathan Rourke. And the expectations to, to reach those heights was pretty low but yeah I mean there's no other way to put it it's it's pretty disappointing yeah and now this is what I said last week when we were doing shows and the Rourke injury uh, became clear that a return this season was really unlikely Mm -hmm. we're probably looking at the front office now and seeing if they can make a move for for another quarterback yeah because for the first nine games of the season yes Nathan Rourke was the headliner played an incredibly high level they had wins in other areas of the team. You know, they have weapons on offense. The defense was much improved. Yes, questions about special teams, but you can, you know, raise the bar with with higher quarterback play. I mean, we'll, we'll probably get into the Seahawks a little bit later, and that's the story of their season, <laughs> right? We're going to be looking at, hey, they might be improved in a bunch of areas. People really like their rookie class. Ultimately, the quarterback play dictates a lot, and it's. It is disappointing for the Lions. I think it's hugely disappointing for the passionate, diehard fans that have been waiting for this kind of season where people were jumping on the bad way in, in August. Yeah. I, I watched the Elks game, the Stamps game, and the last two Riders games, obviously the first three with Nathan Rourke, because that's the kind of impact that he was having. I couldn't tell you the last time that I went and watched three straight Lions mm-hmm. games from beginning to end. Um, I don't cover the team. And like this is you know, we we mostly cover hockey here in my day job at the athletic I cover hockey this is my off season and um I was I was in and I I, I would have loved to see them be able to carry that momentum through now I do think the onus is on management here to see is, is there anything else that we can do I mean you know, we don't know Michael O'Connor's status he took a pretty nasty hit uh and left that game and Antonio Pipkins played in the league. His numbers are not particularly impressive. Uh, he's he's a good athlete, but uh, it, it sounds like when he came into the game, you know, things kind of unraveled until really late. So, sure, I'm sure the the message from the Lions is, look, we'll have another week of practice and we'll keep moving yeah. forward ahead of, of Labor Day, which is uh, obviously a, historically a big weekend in the CFL. But tough. It, it, is, just, it is really tough. It's a brutal situation to be in, and... You know, as you said, this is a good team outside of the quarterback position, right? It's not as if they got blown out without Nathan Rourke at home against the Riders. So there is still something to build around, something, you know, a way you can try to adjust and find wins. But from on the field, from a marketing standpoint, from all of it, it's a brutal situation for the team. I am curious to kind of take the temperature of our listeners because we've heard a lot of people say, I'm getting back on the Lions bandwagon, and it is only, only because of Nathan Rourke and my interest right. in that story. So I'm curious to hear from people and text in, let us know throughout the course of the show, 650-650. Where are you? If you were getting back on the Lions bandwagon, are you all the way out now because of the Nathan Rourke injury? Or are you still a little interested? Hey, the team is still has a really good record. We'll see what they can do. Have you bought in enough to stick around without Nathan Rourke? Or is it, 
you know what? I'll I'll get back interested whenever whenever Nathan Rourke uh, retakes the field. I'm curious to hear what people have to say. Six fifty. 6.50. And a reminder, we will talk a little bit more BC Lions at 8 o'clock with Matt Baker. So tune in for that. Uh, another local team in action this weekend, Izzy. And the Lions and the Whitecaps, we always kind of pair them together, right? And that, that race to be the number two team here in Vancouver. It's such an interesting contrast this year. Because until the Nathan Rourke injury, this season specifically, the Lions really felt like they could do no wrong, right? Like, ownership comes in. Mm-hmm. They're doing the right things to market the team. They're doing the right things on the field. It felt like the start of something. It felt like the start of something. They've got this incredible story that ever, that's really easy to buy into, really easy to get invested in. And the Whitecaps, and this is certainly not just limited to this year. This has been going on for quite a while now. Every time it seems like they're building some positive momentum, something goes wrong. They can't get out of their own way. And the latest example is they're trying to make this late season push for the playoffs. They have Nashville, one of the teams they're battling with in the Western Conference at home. 3-0 they lose. And not just that they lose 3-0, which is brutal when you're, again, hosting the game against a, a, a playoff rival, a team that you need to beat uh, to in order to make the playoffs. Lucas Cavallini gets sent off after basically stomping on a player's head. <laughs> gets the red card, might be facing a suspension now. It, it's, it went about as poorly as it possibly could have gone. And even, you know, you look at just Cavallini, this year he had finally kind of been playing some of his best soccer yeah. for the team. They were kind of getting the version of Cavallini they wanted to get all along. And then it ends like this. And now you don't even know what his future with the team is going to be. And it's just... It's so frustrating. As somebody who really wants to be on board with the Whitecaps, would love to see them build up that that engagement in this fan base and really make it something that people are invested in. It's so frustrating to just see them consistently not be able to get out of their own way, not be able to build on any shred of momentum that they do happen to find. Yeah, for sure. And as you said, Jamie, not the first time. It, it does feel like an annual trend. Last year was that late push, and oh, there's some excitement. Uh, we've gotten over the the uh, disappointment of getting knocked out of the Canadian Championship by a non-MLS side. New coach, he's he's a character, he's a personality. Yeah. They started to win some games late, but uh, you know, too little, too late, and certainly did not carry that over to the start of the season. Credit to them for put, putting themselves back in somewhat of a playoff race. But this has been the Whitecap story for at least five years now. I go back to Antonio Alfonso Davies' last season with the team, where he was great. And it was pretty certain that he was destined for even greater things. Yep. And the team around him and the structure around him was just not even close to living up to the standard that he was setting on the field as an incredibly young player. It's different now. This is a bit of a different situation. But it it is that stop start. Mm-hmm. And with the Lions, there was, yeah, maybe this is something new. And the Whitecaps were there five, six, seven mm-hmm. years ago. Since then, it's been a lot of stop start. And you talk about these games where, okay, similar competitive team yep. comes to your place. And I, I remember going to a game, God, it must have been 10 years ago. They could have clinched the playoffs at home against Portland, and they didn't. And I think I feel like that's like they've been playing that game often where outside of uh, some strong performances in the Canadian 
Canadian Championship where they'll beat TFC yep. and they'll win the trophy and that gets people excited for a minute. In MLS, outside of maybe some big road wins in Seattle that people remember, where it's like, hey, like a you know, yep. bunch of fans go down, they beat Seattle in Seattle, that's a big deal. I feel like at home, and there was the... it's not like they've had this dom like you know this defining game that maybe this could have been, and ultimately it turns out to be the complete opposite. There was the one home playoff game where they beat San Jose. I think it was five nil, and I was at that game as a fan, and it was great. But that you need to have more than that one moment, right? Over the course of however long they've been in MLS now, over a decade, yeah. for people, for fans that go consistently, consistently to really hang their hat on and those moments, just have not been there. They've been more often than not disappointing, and you know, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert MLS analyst like our guy Dan Riccio, but you look at the squad and they've done some good things, right? Like Ryan Gall, Julian Gressel, people really like. Yep. You know, Kubis has made a really big impact since he's come over. They've acquired good players, but you just always have the question: Okay, are they actually going to be able to put it together and make it stick, make it mean anything? It's great to have these these one-off acquisitions that get people excited and that look good. Is it ever actually going to amount to a truly competitive, consistently entertaining team? And that's always the question with the Whitecaps. And it's a question we're going to be asking going into next season now, again, because of how this season looks like it's going to end. This is a really interesting text in uh, from Derek in the Ridge. I was asking, uh, you know, if you were on the BC Lions and Nathan Rourke bandwagon, how do you feel now that Rourke looks like he's going to be out for the year? Derek in the Ridge says... Uh, it's my son's 16th birthday today. Happy birthday to your son. I gave him the choice of either going to the Lions game on Friday or the Whitecaps game on Saturday. He chose the Whitecaps because of no Rourke. The Caps were bad, but he still chose to watch them. <laughs> that's from Derek in the Ridge. And that's really fascinating because, as, as I said, they're, often, they're so linked in the, okay, who can be the number two team in the city conversation. Yeah. And it really did feel like, Nathan Rourke was going to help the Lions re-solidify their position as the number two team. It's an interesting perspective. I mean, it's just one perspective, but hey, if Rourke had been healthy and playing, I'm going to that game. If not, well, ah, okay, maybe I'll go uh, Maybe I'll go to the Whitecaps instead. Uh, I, know, I know my dad. He's not a big football guy. He wanted to go to see Nathan Rourke specifically. Like He's like, Andy, we got to go to see them on Friday. He was all set for it. This is the first game he would have gone to in like 15 years. Rourke gets injured, of course, and he's like, ah, never mind. I'm not. I'm not too into it. He literally just wanted to go to see Rourke. Like that's that was the whole trip for him. So I think that's probably pretty common. A pretty common story around the province, around yeah. the Lower Mainland, right? He he was a legit, really big story, not just here, but across the country. I when mean, was he, the last time the Lions had a player like this? Right? He's just yeah. the best player in the CFL. Yeah, and he. I mean, Nathan Rourke. He's doing. He's doing Toronto radio. He's doing yeah. national national media. Like he's a big story across the country, really, in the yeah. summer this year. And to lose him for the Lions, it just it sets them back in their their quest to uh, to be the clear number two team in the city. That's uh, producer Andy Cole, a dog here. <laughs> we also have Lena Satagian. In filling in for Laddie, although I notice you're not sitting where Laddie normally sits, Lena. You're you're where Andy normally sits, and A Dog is in Laddie's chair. Listen, yeah, we're swapping. I'm, I'm my own person. So what are you actually? But but hold on, but hold on, hold on. Here's the thing: <laughs> Balak runs the board, which is over there. You're not sitting over there. What are you actually doing right now? I run the vibes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm the I'm the hype hype director of vibes. Frequent vibe checks going on. <laughs> director of me. vibes. Great. That's awesome. 
You're like uh, you're like Steve Nash for the Brooklyn Nets. It's like I don't really call the plays or anything. I just you know try to make sure everyone's happy. No criticisms, just vibes. Just vibes. Ask KD. I know he's all about that. I uh, I did want to say we also have four uh, four North Van people running That's our right. show. Yeah, she was pointing today. that out to me before yeah. the show. It's like so it's a North Van show today. Big North, North Van. North, four different high schools. Four different high That's schools. Right. So food gonna, fight may break out at any point. Sutherland represents. We're gonna get really into uh, which which North Van High School had the best athletics program. So if you if you're if you're interested, well, it definitely in that, wasn't my high school. So yeah, Sutherland we already didn't, established that before yeah. you got yeah, here. Yeah, that was the one thing we all agreed on. Sutherland Andy, before you got struggled. here. We were like, yeah, it's definitely not Sutherland. I, I recall <laughs> my senior year, our basketball team, our men's basketball team, was quite good. But other than that one blip, yeah, Sutherland struggled with sports when I was there. Probably because I was there. I, I remember when I was on the basketball team at Hansworth, uh, and we played Sutherland, and we had beat them up. The, you know, it, it didn't go well for Sutherland. And I guess the coach of Sutherland was a substitute teacher, and later he came to uh, be a sub at Hansworth, and he was talking to some of the guys on the team. He was like, Whoa, that was "We're rough. really bad. You, you guys, <laughs> you guys are pretty good." <laughs> Just traumatized from the whole event. Anyways, maybe we'll get into that later, uh, but we are still talking about what happened, and Surrey Ryan, with the dissenting view on the Na- on the uh, Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions, he says, I was barely in with Nathan Rourke. The NFL is about to start, and yep, the, uh, the NFL preseason wrapped up over the weekend. Well, Jamie, you're is saying he- who's the number t- two team in the city right now? In general, the number is two it the Seahawks? Always. Yeah. The number two team in Vancouver, regardless of time of year, and nothing against the Lions. Obviously, we love them. They're a great team. Oh, had great success this year. Great fan base. But so frequently, it feels like the Seahawks are the number two team in Vancouver. This yeah, there's probably something to that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Spoken as a Seahawks fan. <laughs> Ask us again in a few months. Well, this, <laughs> this is, uh, of course, predicated by the fact that when they were a good team. Yeah. We'll see how it goes this year. But in so many frequent years, it felt like the Seahawks were the talk of the town when it wasn't the Yeah, Canucks. oh, yeah. absolutely. We'll, we'll see how much that can survive the Geno Smith yeah. and Drew Locke era. It so might get, might get rough. The, the Seahawks lose their final preseason game to the Cowboys. Big story. Drew Locke gets a big chunk of time in that game. Does some decent things, but also throws three interceptions. Now you can look at him and say, well, they're not all his fault. At least one was absolutely his fault. It was a really brutal decision. And that's been the story of Drew Locke, not just, you know, quarterback battle, uh, if you want to call it that. I know there's something less dramatic word than battle we can use because it is between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. But in his NFL career, it's OK. You can see the upside. He can do some things, but it's always he's taking it back with mistakes, right? Whether it's interceptions, sacks, whatever the case is, that's been the story so far with the Seahawks as well. That's why it's not surprising to hear Pete Carroll, as we heard coming into to intro the show, that. They're going with Geno Smith because what do we know about Pete Carroll? More than anything else, he wants his quarterback to not make mistakes, right? To be conservative, be predictable, know what you're going to get. Even if it's not a particularly high ceiling, that's what Pete Carroll wants. Geno Smith, far from perfect. Not not, uh, the guy you want starting for your football team in the NFL, but he has that over Drew Locke. And so it's not surprising, but I think it just illustrates the really, really tough situation that the Seahawks are going to be in this year, is he? Sure. And look, people in Seattle have been hyping themselves up over, as I mentioned earlier, the rookie class, and that, hey, they might actually have a top 15 defense this year. They've improved in other areas. They still have DK Metcalf, and they've given him a contract. He should have that motivation because he's been paid. 
uh, among you know in that that uh, yep. young receiver class. They still have Tyler Lockett, who's Tyler Lockett, really good. A, a, been a great player for the Seahawks for a long time now. It's ultimately going to come back down to the quarterback play. And we saw it when Russell Wilson got hurt. Geno Smith had some moments. Mm-hmm. They played some close games. They weren't getting blown out. They just didn't have enough to push it over. And look, maybe the improved defense, an improved O-line makes those games even more, like they're more competitive. They may maybe win those games, but I'm, I'm skeptical now. I, I, I was I was hyping myself up earlier. You were talking yourself into it. Yeah, well, Mo, I, Moj I just, was on the fro- show Friday, and he was speculating the Seahawks might target Jimmy G if he gets cut by the 49ers. Yeah, to start, I could see that to start a QB because yeah. he's, he's better than both their current options. Hundred percent. There's no doubt he about is. it. And I'm not a huge Jimmy G guy, but no, he's, he's he, clearly better than yes. what they're they're rolling out there. Right, another guy with his limitations. Right, and you wonder, okay, away from Shanahan and and how Shanahan runs that offense and gets him the good looks. How's he going to perform? That's I think those are fair questions. How will Seahawks fans like it though? Because they don't really like Jimmy G. <laughs> no. A lot of them. I, I find my wife's a huge Seahawks fan, and she can't stand him just because that rivalry. So that'll be weird I, to see. I think they'll talk themselves into it. Yeah. Because look look at the... I was talking myself into Baker Mayfield. In the yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Ultimately, <laughs> if they start winning games, right? I mean, that's all that matters. If you can talk yourself into Baker Mayfield, you talk yourself into Jimmy G. I was feeling at dangerous. At some point. But the, thing with the, the funny thing with the Seahawks, and first of all, look, we've seen, obviously we've seen teams win, you know, with a not great quarterback situation, but great defense, solid running game, offensive line, all of that. Like, that's a formula that can win. Pete Carroll knows that well. That's his preferred formula in a lot of ways. But your defense has to be elite, right? Your defense can't just be, oh, it's pretty good. You know, you're decent. If you have the 16th best defense in the NFL or something, right, or 15th best, something like that, you need really good quarterback play to consistently win. And I'm not sure the Seahawks defense, at least for this year, who knows, maybe some of the young players they have continue to develop and they can get to that point, but I'm not sure it's going to be that good good enough to kind of carry the team and keep it consistently competitive I do like a lot of what they've done you mentioned the young players on the offensive line again but look there's probably going to be some growing pains there right so it's kind of interesting because in a weird way if this most recent draft class that the Seahawks have in the books which people are really high on already if it turns out to be you know close to as good as it looks like it could right now but the team really struggles this year because, hey, those players are young, the quarterback position, all of that. That might not actually be the worst thing in the world, right? Because what we've heard early is the quarterback class in this upcoming draft is a lot better than it was in this previous draft. So, hey, if the Seahawks find themselves with, you know, a top three pick, which when I look at the standings right now seems very, very plausible, well, all of a sudden you could have a really interesting draft class and a kind of foundation of young talent elsewhere to build on and then an opportunity to add potentially your franchise quarterback on top of that. So I do think I'm not a particularly big Seahawks fan. I, I say I'm like the world's most casual Seahawks fan. <laughs> so I don't really care that much, but it does feel like it could work out in a weird way. This season, I think is going to be tough though, is he? This could be a tough watch. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to run it back. They're trying to do what they did. 10 years ago and draft big time dudes on defense and have some offensive line. And if they can find a quarterback and this is where it kind of all hinges on, they can find a quarterback who can be what Russell Wilson was. And uh, as a Seahawks fan, it's emotionally still kind of hard to believe that I won't watch that guy play his whole career with Seattle and that he's going to play, you know, he says he's going to play until Tom, like Tom Brady's age. So he's still going to play for another 10, 12 years 
at minimum. And, you know, if, if that's in Denver, if that's somewhere else, it's still strange. And that hinges a lot on, as you said, like you said, Jamie, to, to be a competitive football team, uh, you need to have that quarterback unless you have an incredible defense and, and you know, your, your weapons, your running back, yeah. they're all they're all elite. Yeah. And that's that's the challenge. So it'll be it'll be interesting to watch those young players, the opportunity that they get. But yeah, expectations for wins, not not incredibly high this year. We did not get into what happened in baseball over the weekend, but we will talk a little bit about that specifically the Toronto Blue Jays with Ben Wagner. He's the voice of the Jays on the Sportsnet Radio Network. He will join us next. It is Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. I'll start with the good news clear of a car that hit a pole in New... Uh, what's going on? Welcome back to Halford and Bruff here. Sportsnet 650, Jamie Dodd and Israel Fair uh, hosting for Halford and Bruff this week as they take yet another... Week of vacation here late in the summer. Back to school deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are now on at Fido. Visit them in-store or at Fido.ca now. Uh, And the official automotive sponsor of Halford & Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, if, if you're ever wondering what, uh, hosting sports radio is like, Izzy and I were both on Mike Timlin's baseball reference page <laughs> in the break there, digging up some wild Mike Timlin stats. I don't, I don't know if, what that says about the Jays this weekend. Uh, they honored the 92 world series team over the weekend. They did. Um, and that was the highlight for Jays fans. And uh, that both, yes, that sent both of us to Mike Timlin's yes. baseball ref page yeah. where we were stunned to uh, see that uh, Mike Timlin at 39 in 2005 pitching for the Boston Red Sox made 81 appearances. 81. Yes, that's more than half of the games. Old. Led the led the league in appearances and and yeah. guess what? Had a 2.24 ERA. Was great. Had a 2 2.03 ERA plus. Fantastic from 39 year old Mike Timlin. Anyways, maybe we'll get back into some uh, Mike Timlin tidbits a little <laughs> later on in the show. But joining us now here on Halford and Bruff Sportsnet 650, he is the radio voice of the Blue Jays across the Sportsnet radio network. Ben Wagner is on the line. Ben, thanks very much for doing this. How are you? Uh, I'm great. I sat with Mike Timlin for like 15 minutes at Rogers Center the other day, and I'm telling you right now, that guy still oozes confidence. I bet he could go out and, could go out and close 40 games this year. Like right now, today, that's how confident he is. He loved, he loved closing games for the Blue Jays and pitching in high leverage situations. And obviously, we talked about his four World Series rings that he's got. And um, uh, <laughs> it's funny that I hear you guys talk about that in like 81 games. You think about pitching in half the games yes. that in the twilight Unreal. of your career. Unreal, unreal. And I said, how did you do it? How did you, like, what's the turning, you know, turning point in somebody's career? Because when he closed out that game for the Blue Jays in game six, that was just his second year in baseball, second year in the majors. And he goes on to win back-to-back World Series championships. And then we know what he did with the Red Sox. And he said, um, the experiences were equally unique, uh, equally as exciting, everything else. But he goes, you know, you win a first one with a franchise. Nobody can ever take that away. And then he's linked with the 86-year gap with the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. He goes, I am so lucky in my career. I said, I got a huge career, longevity, all the success in the world. I won World Series. But he won two of the more unique World Series that you could ever win and ever think about winning. 
And I said, but Mike, you know, you're, you're, you were pretty good. <laughs> and, and he, you know, he sheepishly said, yeah. I, <laughs> then he, then he followed it up and he's like, but I played on some really good teams too. So uh, great guy, really fun conversation that I look forward to hearing you do a deep dive into Mike, Mike yeah. Simlin fun facts. Later well, on. I mean, it, it is it, his baseball reference page is very impressive. And yeah, Izzy and I both said, uh, you know, with all the 92 J's content, we were doing a lot of baseball reference digging over the weekend. It, look, it was great to see that team honored and the reception they got and hear the guys talk about it and what it still means to them. Unfortunately, the current Blue Jays did not hold up their end of the bargain, and they laid an egg over the weekend uh, against the Angels, specifically offensively, although the pitching wasn't necessarily great, uh, with the exception of Alec Manoa. What the heck happened to the Jays' offense over the weekend, Ben? Ooh, yeah, that's the million-dollar question, walking out of a trap series, right? And it feels like there's another one looming with the Cubs starting tonight. I I give them a mulligan on Friday. Uh, You know, I... Uh, we were all in Boston. It was tough travel. It was a really long game. I have seen teams over the course of my career kind of, you know, get to the ballpark on a show and go day. And that's when you just like, you're on your own. You, there's no report time. You, if you need treatment, you have to come in and schedule it on your own. The team had a show and go day, you know, just so everybody could get their rest, get relaxed, coming off a long road trip and a very successful road trip, a really successful and, and really tough grinded out, road trip through New York, and then the three-game series sweep with two wins and extra innings in uh, in Boston. So late travel coming in, heads hit the pillow between 4 and 5 a.m., depending on where guys were living. And John Schneider and the and the, the coach said, let's just do show and go tomorrow. You know, if guys need some work, we'll, we'll get it going. And so it was a very kind of like whole-hum approach to Friday with that travel. And the Angels were already here because they had the getaway day in, in Tampa. I'll give them a mulligan because it looked like there was this icky fog of jet lag and everything else kind of hanging over. But I counter that saying, like, Reed Detmers shouldn't exactly carve up the Toronto Blue Jays lineup. You know, when you just look at the stuff and how things should have gone for the Blue Jays, uh, in that game, defensively, there were some major lapses, lack of concentration, focus, and decision-making. That's where, that's where it started to unravel in that ballgame, and that's why it turned into be a laugher so quickly. It's just because of those, some of those things. And then you get into Saturday where Alec Manoa, Shohei Otani, there's your marquee, and it lived up to the billing. I mean, that, that was a tremendous ballgame. But again, Otani was really, really good. He used his fastball a ton, and it was electric. And the Blue Jays at times have had trouble with pitchers like him. And Otani turns into, in all fairness, and I double-checked this just with some of the guys, I mean, Otani had some of the best stuff that he had had all year against the Blue Jays. And then yesterday, yesterday's the biggest problem for me, uh, where the Blue Jays had lapses defensively, they had lapses on the bases, and things got out of hand just so quick because of those things. And for a ball club that is still going back and and pointing at a fact that where they've lost a chance to go to the playoffs by one game, they gave away a couple of games because of mental breakdowns and those mental lapses and errors, which just if if you've got something still in your crawl because of that, it really makes it even more difficult to explain when teams when teams currently have breakdowns like that, like we saw with the Blue Jays.
as you said, Ben, they were coming off such a great road trip with the, the Yankees and the Red Sox and looking like the team that I think people still think they can be, but it has gotten to the point where the players are acknowledging that they've been streaky and they've had the ups and downs. And you look at uh, the road trip that they went on prior to Charlie Montoyo being let go, and that was a time where some players were talking about it too, that, that their consistency hasn't been there. They've been super up and down and... Uh, they were up and down in the 2020 season, the shortened year as well, but that was just over 60 games, and that, that was a team that didn't have the expectations that this one does. How are the players reacting to these ups and downs that, that they're going through, the roller coaster that this season has been? And, and that's a good point. This is the first time that anybody with this franchise, the way it has been constructed and crafted, you know, there are no holdovers from 2015, 2016. They're, they're gone. They're gone. This is the first time that this unit has had any sort of pressure, any sort of expectation, any sort of, whether it be internal or external, expectations from them, the success. And there, there are projections and there are moments where we have sat down with the front office and they said, you know, last year's team were way better than 95 wins. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure when you hear it from executives that expect to win anywhere between 95 and, and 100 games. If I hear you're better than 95 wins, I think, okay, this is a franchise that feels like he can win 100 games this year. And there's no doubt that that ripples down and, and makes it to the clubhouse because they're going to get asked about that and the performance. So is it late game? Is it the dog days of summer? We have seen flashes all season long of the potential of what this team can be. We saw it with an eight-game win streak at the end of May. We saw it with a seven-game win streak earlier uh, around the All-Star break, and we've seen really successful series. But when it comes down to it, we haven't seen those pressure-packed moments where the Blue Jays have been able to capitalize. And more and more, we're also seeing it uh, because the games mean more. The cluster of teams around the wild card where it's not head-to-head even for the Blue Jays, but you've got this Angels series, and now you have the Oakland Athletics and the New York Yankees out west right now. You've got the Baltimore Orioles going to Houston and handling business. I mean, handling business. You talk about a team that has no expectations. Look at how the Baltimore Orioles are playing. That's the, that is the other end of the spectrum for me when you compare what the Blue Jays are going through and the tightness and the tension and the expectations. I look at Baltimore where they have absolutely none of that. They are playing carefree baseball right now. They're just going out, rolling the balls out. They're having a lot of fun doing it. And and that expectation is where I think a lot of the Blue Jays are experiencing it for the first time. And when you don't have your performers, you don't have, or at least you've had a lot of George Springer this year. He just played in his 100th game yesterday. But it hasn't been a consistent George Springer. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been able to do the things that usually George Springer does. You haven't had a full season of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, you haven't, honestly, you haven't had like a two-week run of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and what his potential could be as, as well. And Teoscar Hernandez has been really streaky over the last month. Plus, then he missed a month on the with an oblique issue. So when you don't have these big cogs, big wheels driving the bus, I mean the big threats in the lineup, that makes things certainly much more difficult. And and there are other guys, right, that you could point in the offense because I think the offense is going to drive this thing. It's not the pitching. It, it, it's not the pitching. It's not the Mets. It's not the Dodgers. It's it's not the Houston Astros. There are those are the elite pitching staffs that, that mm-hmm. are out there in the game. 
the Blue Jays aren't at that level. Those are just the brass tacks. So the offense has to be the driving force for the success of the Toronto Blue Jays. And Bo's having a little bit of down here when it comes to the average. His on-base is a little bit better, and he's trying to improve that. He had a couple of walks yesterday, right? Um, you know, so there are, there are some things that are so different than last year. I don't think you could have predicted. But now the Blue Jays, it's up to them to figure it out. You know, it, it's up to them to figure it out. Because it's certainly, it's certainly the expectations of this team are way higher than what they're what they're playing at right now. In conversation with Ben Wagner talking Blue Jays here on Sportsnet 650, Halford and Broth, and you know you talked a little bit about the injuries and the inconsistencies, and it, it just feels Ben, it has been such a a roller coaster year. And look, there's always going to be ups and downs in the course of a 162 game year or season, but you know you just look at the last month or six weeks, and it feels like the Jays are either you know, in the middle of a brutal slump and everyone's saying, oh my goodness, they're going to miss the playoffs or they're, you know, taking five of six from the Yankees and the Red Sox and riding high. And there really has been no in-between for them, at least not recently this year. I mean, do you have any theories other than just kind of weird luck, why it has been so up and down for this team this season? Yeah, weird series, good pitching. They face a lot of good pitching. In the American League East, you're going to face a ton of good pitching. Early in the season, you got a lot of good pitching, too. The Red Sox were a little bit more stacked in their rotation. They had back-to-back series against the Houston Astros. You had uh, almost a third uh, or two-thirds of the head-to-head matchups against the New York Yankees, and they were healthy. They had Luis Severino still in the rotation, Garrett Cole. Not really that he's a good pitcher, but I don't think that the Blue Jays fear Garrett Cole. You know, I, I, they've had really good games. I mean, epic games against Garrett Cole. But again, it's the whole pitching staff, right, that you have to deal with. It. And that Yankee bullpen was awesome earlier in the season. And that's why they got off to such a historic start. So, you know, this team never really got rolling on the tracks. It was a clunky start to the regular season. There were some injuries. The depth in the lineup took a ding. There were a lot of inconsistencies in the rotation as well. So every time... Every time the Blue Jays felt like it, it got rolling, you would have a couple of days looming on the calendar where you're like, oh, this is going to be a tough game for the Blue Jays. And, you know, Hyunjin Ryu was very inconsistent at the start of the year. He lands on the injured list at the beginning of June. You get Ross Stripling, which he has been lights out in the rotation for the Blue Jays since replacing Ryu, even with his own little aisle stint. That was only 10 days. You, you know, then you had the project of Yusei Kikuchi, which that's a major hang-up. You know, that, that was a really big momentum killer. Even the lineup construction sometimes on a Kikuchi day, you know, you would challenge, like, is this the best lineup? Are we really going to rest uh, the Blue Jays? Are the Blue Jays really going to rest, um, you know, this individual in this lineup, in this matchup today, just because, you know, it's a Kikuchi day? It just seemed a little light in those scenarios. So... You know, I, I think that factors into it as well. That there were some internal, there were some internal hurdles that the Blue Jays had to get over, just because they weren't, they weren't complete at any point in this season, and I don't think they still are. Teoscar Hernandez was under the microscope a little bit. He's he's clearly banged up, but the plays in the outfield, the plays on the base paths, had fans looking for a reason to be frustrated anyway, just by the way that the teams played over the weekend. He took some heat. Bo Bichette's taking some heat as well. Um, I mean, you look at the numbers for the, the players in the lineup, and they're all still having pretty darn good years, even if 
know, Vlad Guerrero's not having quite the year he had last year. That's kind of been made up for by the year that, that Alejandro Kirk's having. Matt Chapman's really turned things around and been a really productive player at the plate. Uh, when Hernandez has been healthy, when Gurriel's been healthy, we, we've seen what they can do. When you see the offense and you look at the lineup as constructed, you mentioned Springer, and he hasn't been the full player that maybe has been expected, but when he's been healthy, he's also played at a really high level. Is there one player above all that you think needs to be the catalyst for the offense to find that consistency that they're looking for? Well, I mean, I, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he's a major threat in this entire lineup. You know, Vladdy's having a year where he's hitting in the 280s, and you you talk to Vlad, you ask about the the timing, you ask about how he's feeling at the plate. You've witnessed him be the best hitter on the planet just last year, and and, and not that he's cratered by any stretch of the imagination. Just statistically and looking at it and comparatively, he's having a very fine year. But we know that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a lot more you know ability in there when, at times when he gets hot, he can. He can be the threat. He has to be the threat. There are big boys in this lineup that absolutely have to be the threat, and that's why uh, when they're not, this lineup looks different, and it performs much, much different than what you're seeing with the Blue Jays right now. And, and that's when it, you look at the lineup, I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. You want your best hitter in certain scenarios? They fought where to put Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They consulted Vladdy where he liked to hit early in his career, even present day blue Jays field right now, he's in that number two spot and that's the best spot for him. So, um, you know, if that's not going and if, and if that's coming up and the blue Jays get into these pressure pack situations, they haven't really come through all that often. It sounds like the focus is a lot on Vladimir Guerrero jr. Here. And he's, again, he's not the reason that the blue Jays are losing games, certainly, but mm -hmm. uh, he is such a threat in that Blue Jays lineup when he comes to the play with runners on at first and second, and the result is a double play ball. And that seems to be a glaring issue right now where Vladdy just can't elevate the baseball and hit the line drives that, that he's accustomed to hitting. And we, you know, you would expect in those moments. Uh, but this is also a sign of a team that a team that's got its, its majority of its, you know, core players going through back to back seasons where they have just, basically competing in their sophomore year. They had never gone through a 162 before together. Nobody was up together at the beginning of 2019. Vladdy was a late April ad. Bo came up later in the summer. Kevin was sprinkled in there. Um, you know, this, this unit went through 162 together last year for the first time. And now this is the encore of that. So are they learning? Are they learning more about themselves? Certainly are on top of the expectations and the pressures. Um, but the Blue Jays will win games if they can play better focused baseball. That's the bottom line. You know, yesterday, yesterday it looked like if Teoscar Hernandez is hurt, they took him, and I double-checked this with some coaches after Friday night. Uh, they asked Teoscar Hernandez after that play in right field, he said, you know, if the foot is only going to give you that kind of effort, they got to get somebody else in there. And they did. So he comes back into the lineup yesterday, and you know the, I think the the big turning point in that ball game where that play where Velasquez makes that diving grab up the middle of the diamond immediately looks at first what Merrifield's going to beat out that ball. 
100% of the time, Wood Merrifield's speed is going to beat out that ball on a dive up the middle from a shortstop because of his speed at first base. And then Velasquez thought the play was dead until he realized he had a play at second base. You know, and if, and if again, if that's a if that's a, a case where Teoscar, that's all you can give. I was surprised to see Teoscar back out there in in the outfield. Um, and you know, we don't know. We're on the dugout when we're living it live and watching it. But it, it's interesting the sequence of all that stuff. And then the other big play too. You know, when it comes to the mental sharpness, is is the ball that got through Vlad. You know, that both through too. Right. Uh, so there there are a couple there are a couple of just those those. Certainly little things, when you look back, you won't find in a box score. But when it comes to that mental sharpness and stuff, you want to point at that and say, okay, this is, this is something that needs to be addressed. Ben, we appreciate it. Always uh, always enjoy chatting with you. And maybe next time we chat, the Jays will be back on the, the fun part of the roller coaster of this season. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Let's, let's get this thing back on the track. I feel like I talked doom and gloom for 15 minutes. Man, oh, man. <laughs> well, that's, that's what it, I mean. When, hey, when you get swept by the Angels at home over the weekend, that's how it's going to be. But they got a chance to right the ship against the Cubs here. Thanks, Ben. My pleasure. Be well, guys. Thanks, that, Ben. That is Ben Wagner. At least the, we talked Mike Timlin. We did. We got some positive Mike Timlin talk in off the top with Ben Wagner. Um, it, you know it's rough when far and away the best content, the best Blue Jays content I watched over the weekend was when Sportsnet replayed the game from 30 game six years ago. of the 1992 World Series. And I, it was great. I was like, this is awesome. This is fantastic. <laughs> I heard that from multiple friends. Jays using the shift yeah. against David Justice late in the game. Cito Gaston was ahead of his time. Who knew? Cito ball. Who needs money ball? Dave Winfield? Oh, great. Fantastic. Dave Winfield is still, he talked about, Ben Wagner talked about how Mike Timlin still yeah. is a presence, exudes confidence. Dave Winfield, that man has so much swag. Dave Winfield it's is out of control. one of, he's one of my all-time favorite athletes. I know he, you know. Only played for the Jays for one season, mm-hmm. right? But it, but it was a big part of that team and yeah. helped them win the World Series. But when you actually... His and obviously, career is incredible. The bulk of his career, obviously, well before my time. So I really only knew him towards the end of his career. It's a <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I believe the only person to have been drafted by Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. Wow, yeah. Uh, and now... I think the NFL draft was kind of ceremonial, almost in a way. Like, I think the Vikings drafted him. He's from Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't doubt he could have done it if he had chosen to focus that on that in his career, right? Like, he is that kind of athlete. Just an incredible all-around athlete. Obviously, Hall of Famer, all of that. And as you said, the swag. The swag is off the charts uh, with Dave Woodfield. They are asking him about the, the famous comments about getting some crowd noise yep. in the playoffs and stuff. And he's just matter-of-factly going like, yeah, we had a good team, but the, the fans need to step up. This is 30 years ago, and he's still like... <laughs> and now, of course, it became a, you know, Winfield wants noise, and, yeah. and the, fans the fans embraced did, it. Yeah, yeah. They, and they rose to the occasion, but it's just, it's so funny. 30, he's just like, I knew what we needed as a team. I've yeah. been there. It is funny to imagine, like, a similar situation now. And, you know, is. Winfield's calling out the fans. Is he out of is he out of line? Why 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 is he doing this? Is this gonna be a distraction before they head into the playoffs? That's exactly how it would go now. Uh if, if a similar player was to say something along those lines as Dave Winfield did. A quick update on the MLB standings. We haven't had a chance to talk to Mariners. I want uh, talk Mariners. I want to get into 
the most interesting thing that happened with Seattle over the weekend a little bit later in the show. But right now it is the Rays in the first wild card spot, the Mariners a half game back of them, the Jays a game back of the Mariners for the final wild card spot, and then the Orioles surging, the surging Orioles, although they did lose yesterday, uh, one and a half games back of the Blue Jays. So I do still think it is kind of funny for all the consternation with the Jays. I believe I saw Mike Wilner say on Twitter they've been in a playoff spot every day of the season. Right. <laughs> like they have never That's actually the they've never actually dropped out because of the Seattle wild card. Does not have the same expectations, no. and they had some, but n- not nowhere near Toronto. Toronto's supposed to be one of the three or four best teams in baseball. That's it's as simple no. as that. That's true, and, and it, it, it hurt because the Yankees got off to such a great start, and it was like, oh, no one's going to catch them. The wild cards, all they really have, and. Even even with the Yankees taking that nosedive over the last month, the Jays haven't helped themselves at all, and there's reason for frustration. It's why I was curious to see uh, and hear from Ben, who's around the team all the time, how, how the players are handling it, because baseball is such a grind. The ups and downs in that sport, when it's just supposed to be straight ahead, those can be really difficult to handle. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more baseball and Mariners later in the show, but also underway right now, it is the Women's World Hockey Championships. And joining us to talk about that and a little NHL, Shayna Goldman of The Athletic and Sportsnet will be on the show next. It is Halford & Bruff, Sportsnet 650.